G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. And he said that, you know, you really haven't got much time now. And in fact, he said, most of my patients, he said, first of all, a year. And then he said, well, actually, you know, most of them die within two years. So I thought, oh, this is just great, isn't it? You go on this roller coaster of emotion. Because now I wasn't that excited about getting to heaven. I was when I first got diagnosed. But we'd had so much fun in the last two years. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time, Shirley and Peter Basket told us how in October of 2021, their lives were completely turned upside down after Shirley had blood tests done and eventually found out she had leukaemia. She was told that her time on earth is limited and realised that she's living on the edge of eternity. She was then inspired to write a book with that very title as she researched into the topics What is a Good Death and How to Die Well. Today, Shirley will share some advice with us based on her research and she and her husband Peter tell us more of their story. Once again, they're chatting with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. I went into remission and so Pete said, well, look, you've always wanted to do one white Christmas. Let's go to Europe and we'll do a one white Christmas, go to Scandinavia and maybe go up to the top of Finland to Lapland and see Santa and have Christmas Day in Stockholm. And, and, and you showed a video of you on a dog sled, the two of you <laughs> being pulled by a dog huskies. sled. That, yeah. was, that was my favourite thing, <laughs> thing, dog sled. And we yeah. had our good friend Ricky Chalette from Texas with us. Yeah. And so the three of us looked like three Smurfs sitting on this thing. Mm. And off we went to do this. And uh, But originally I didn't want to do it because we just about paid our house off. And mm. I thought, oh, one of my goals in life was to pay the house off. And Pete said, look, he said, we'll put the mortgage up. And we can go. And I said, but I don't want to do this. And he said, look, I'll put it this way. He said, if you don't do this and spend the money now, I'll spend it when you're gone. <laughs> and so gotcha. I thought, he really, after 40 years, he really knows how to get to me. <laughs> and so when he put it that way, we did two big trips and mm. uh, we did quite a bit of other little bits of travel too. But we yeah. did do that, get yeah. there and do the one white Christmas and had a wonderful time. Came back a couple of months later, did Spain and Portugal. Oh, wow. Mm. And so that was really wonderful too. Mm. And then we came back and not long after that, the doctor said, unfortunately, your last test's come back and you've relapsed. Mm. And so that happened just, how long ago was that? Four months ago. About four months Mm. ago. and, And he said that, you know, you really haven't got much time now. Mm. And in fact, he said, most of my patients, he said, first of all, a year. And then he said, well, actually, you know, most of them die within two years. So I thought, oh, this is just great, isn't it? You go on this roller coaster of emotion. Because now I wasn't that excited about getting to heaven. I was when I first got diagnosed. Is that right? Very much so. But we'd had so much fun in the last two years. Yeah. 
that it was you like, wanted oh, to I live. don't actually want to go quite now, and I've got yeah. things I want to finish doing. Yeah. And uh, so I thought, well, two years. And then he started saying, well, actually, now there's a new mutation that you've got, and it's called TP53, and it's the worst of the worst mm. mutations. The leukemia I have is also an, a really bad variety of it. It's called acute myeloid leukemia, which mm. is uh, the worst of the leukemias. And uh, so, you know, now I had this horrible mutation as well. Mm. And he said, really, the life expectancy on that is six to nine months. Mm. And so that was three months ago. Mm. So, you know, it seemed to be that life was getting shorter and shorter and the roller coaster was quite awful, wasn't it, Pete, the emotional yes. thing. And I'd been doing Pretty a sad. journal showing that. And mm. Yep. You go through these periods of sadness where you're thinking of, it's like I'm living in two worlds where on one hand I'm living every moment and every day with Shirley, mm. but at the same time in my mind I'm planning a life without her. Mm. It's yep. quite weird. It's actually harder for Pete than it is for me in many ways. Because? Because of that, the fact that he's the one that's left. Mm. And sometimes he'll say to me, it's all right for you. You know, you're going home to heaven, mm. <laughs> but I'm the one that's stuck behind. Mm. And that's true. Mm. And that's the thing that I think I find hardest, the fact that I'm leaving Pete and that he's going to be mm. stuck here and stuck here. I mean, it's a wonderful world our God has given us and we love exploring mm. it. But he's going to be on his own. So, and know. just something that occurred to me for most people, COVID was a terrible period of their life because you're stuck inside. But now, looking back, it was a blessing in disguise for you, Pete, because it forced you to be with Shirley for extended periods of time. Well, that was my little clip that I had saved up for the eulogy. That you know, most people thought of COVID as a terrible thing, but in, in hindsight, I got to spend all that quality time mm. just. Shirley and I, and it was mm. fantastic. Mm. And so COVID was a blessing for me mm. because I didn't know what was coming. But you didn't know it at the time. No, of course no. not. Yeah. No. Now let's get back to the question that you asked earlier. How do you die well? How do you die yeah. well? Well, of course, I've given that a lot of thought over the last two years, which mm. are miraculous years too, really, because mm. I have had longer than maybe some people would have. Mm. And actually, I still pray and hope that I will be one of these people who's out on the edge of the statistics. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, in thinking through this whole process of how you die well and, and how I was going to write this book, being me, I couldn't help myself and got online and started researching mm. what people said about. Because that's just what you do. That's what I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, um, you know, how do you have a, a good death? And I discovered some very interesting people one was a psychiatrist who, who helped people who were dying and, and he looked at what actually was helpful to stop people feeling depressed. And what they discovered was that if you sit with somebody and talk about their lives and talk about what was of worth in their lives, people who've sat there and thought, as I did right at the beginning, my mm. life's been worth nothing, mm. they realise it might be something like, I've brought up kids and they turned out okay after all. Mm. Or it might be something like, well, you know, I did this kind of ministry or I did this kind of work where maybe it helped people after all. And they begin to relate stories mm -hmm. that make them realise that their life has had worth. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very good. And so he gave me permission to put his whole set of thoughts in there about how you go through that. Then I found another woman who was also researching things and she put in how you actually prepare for a good death. 
And so how you go through and resolve things in your life, are there people that you need to go back to mm. and say sorry to? Mm. Or are there people that you need to say, I love you? And I'm the kind of person who I didn't grow up in a family that was very expressive in that way. Mm. But I found that because I'd done this little journal, which was a visual journal encouraged by the art therapist, I had this big page showing all the things where people had shown me love. And so when I went to my friends, I'd be showing them the journal, I'd flip that page over and I'd say, and I love you. Mm. And it was just very special, amazing moments with people mm. and, and such a good thing to be able to do. But to go through and resolve the issues in your life and so she gave me permission to put her list of things into the book too, mm. which I thought was very helpful. And uh, so there's these ways that you can actually prepare and make sure that you're ready. And I'm very thankful to God because a lot of people think, don't you want to live into your 80s? Well, no, I never did want to, to be honest. I used to really? often say to people, I don't want to live into old age. I don't want to be sort of going along in a decrepit way, crawling along with arthritis and ivory and mm. everything else. I just don't want to do that. Mm. And so, but then I thought, well, actually, Lord, I wouldn't have minded getting a little bit further into my 70s. Thank you very mm. much. <laughs> and a goal is to actually get to 70 in yeah. November of this year. And I believe I will do. Of mm. course, I'm doing okay at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I really didn't want to go into old age like that. Mm. And I thought, what a wonderful way this is that God's given me, because he knows I'm the kind of person that likes to be organized and control what I'm doing. Oh, it's <laughs> terrible. Please, Lord, forgive me for being a controller. Um, but, <laughs> but I like to be prepared and ready. I mean, I guess that comes from my business background. Too. Well, a lot of people aren't going to know and, the day. <laughs> But so, you know, I'd already started getting rid of things because I realized I was getting older. But mm. I suddenly realized how much I'd collected over all these years. Mm. And I thought, I want Pete to have this enormous amount of stuff that he has to deal with. And I discovered there was a Swedish lady who'd written a book called Swedish Death Cleaning. And it's all about the fact that to be kind to those that are going to be left behind, it's good to go through and just... Get rid of things, and you'll feel better for it, too. Oh, okay. And so that's in the book as well. But, yeah. but so that's what I've been doing, some Swedish death cleaning and <laughs> selling things off and, and giving things away, which can actually give you yeah. great joy, too, because we right? don't have children of our own, mm -hmm. but we have people who are very special to us. Mm. And so I've you know begun to start giving some of my real treasures mm. to people. But as a controlling person, or, or a recovering controlling person, I guess you could say, you are able to control some of the events surrounding your death, That's which most right. people aren't going to be able to do that because they're not right. going to get yep. a warning like you've well, had. I've done a whole events book too that mm -hmm. looks back over my life and what I've done, and I was quite surprised as I did that. Mm. I thought, oh my goodness, I actually have done quite a lot of things, haven't I? I've oh. travelled to lots of places and I've yeah. done these things, yeah. I've spoken, I've done things that probably maybe a person who's kind of just an ordinary female and especially older lady when mm. I was in ministry wouldn't get the opportunities to do and and I've studied and I've you know done many different things and worked in business and mm. I've even written courses for hospitality there's lots of things that I looked back on mm. and thought oh, I don't even remember that I did all of those things yeah so you know I agree with a man that says look back over your life and it's never too early to do that mm. Because you don't know, you might be run over by a 10-ton truck or something like that, you know. So, well, it could happen, but thank <laughs> and, you for reminding me. <laughs> and I think this is a better way to go out, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. The, the, and uh, I think it's always good to look back mm. over your life and yeah. say, what have I done that's of worth? 
you know, and so I think that's a helpful and, thing. And, and I suppose if you haven't, if somehow you look and you're like, I haven't done things that are lasting, maybe I've just tried to make money, then you can change if you take inventory and that's don't right. like what you're seeing. Yeah, well, I think so. I yeah. think if you did look yeah. back and think, my goodness, my whole life's a blank slate, yeah. I don't think anybody could really say that. Yeah, yeah. But, but if you did, you could think, well, what can I do now? Right, right. And uh, Make you know, some changes, just, yeah. A little thought I had was that my father, he'd been away from his Christian faith most of my life, and mm. he came back to his Christian faith when my mother passed on mm. at the age of 84. Oh. And uh, so, and he said, you know, look, he suddenly came back to his faith and he said, well, I don't know how much longer I've got, but Jesus only had three years. So mm. he said, I'd forgotten the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. Mm. And I thought, that is so true. The main thing yeah. is Jesus and what we what we do for him. Mm. And so he spent the rest of his life trying to do that. Mm. So it's never too late to mm-hmm. start and yep. do some things that are worthwhile to somebody. I think the most worthwhile things are the things that you do for Christ Right, that and, have eternal yeah. significance. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's, and mm-hmm. that might just mean listening, as Pete mm. was saying, or it may just mean just loving a neighbor mm. as you'd love yourself. Mm. You're listening to The Story. Today, once again, Shirley and Peter Baskett are sharing with us how their lives drastically changed after Shirley was diagnosed with leukemia in October of 2021. We'll hear more of their story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today, once again, Shirley and Peter Basket are sharing about their life journey together that was drastically changed after Shirley was diagnosed with leukaemia in October of 2021. Their experience inspired Shirley to write a book called Living on the Edge of Eternity, which contains her reflections on how to die well and about the importance of leaving a legacy. Now, here's more of their conversation with Eric Scadabo. Pete, what did you think when you were starting to see some of these messages coming in of people sharing with Shirley what she's meant in their lives? Well, you know, I kind of understood it and I was surprised at the same time. I mean, the thing about Shirley is, and I discovered this very quickly when I first met her, is she's incredibly empathetic. Mm. She has very strong empathy and she sits with people Mm. and she listens to them. And listens, and so these stories kept coming in from people who I thought, oh, I didn't realize that she had had that impact, but it's like, they would be things like, you believed in me, Mm. and you never judged me, Mm. but you never compromised, but Mm. you stood with me, and you believed in me, and and because of you, I've got through the difficulties Mm. that I had in my life, and and some of these, you know, some of people's stories were quite traumatizing. Mm. But Shirley had just been patient. And so she's been like a mother to Mm. hundreds of people. Mm. And I was sort of surprised at the number of people and diverse people as well, people you just couldn't imagine. And so it's kind of funny in a way. She's had this impact. 
that we probably didn't quite realise. Because mm. these people are opening up their most personal mm. things. Yeah. So it was amazing. And I think I think what it is, you know, I married Shirley um, because I knew that God had drawn us together for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and in some regards, there was a feeling of satisfaction, you know, that we'd, you know, we'd journeyed together and I'd supported her through all her life and, and was there for her and she'd affected so many people's lives, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. it, it, I think, you know, gratitude's an incredible force. Mm-hmm. And it, it sort of made you feel grateful, you know, that you'd mm-hmm. had an opportunity and it had been able to affect people's lives. Mm-hmm. Now, before we came into the studio, surely you've said that in the past when I've interviewed you and, and you and Peter and you've shared your story, that people in different circumstances heard that interview and it impacted mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Could you please share with us a I little did. bit about well, that? A, I mean, that, that tells yeah. me that I have a legacy a bit too, just the fact that I've talked to you in the past yeah, and, and was able right. to have you share your story. Well, in some ways I was doing that because I wanted to share that you have done things of worth as well by doing this program or Thank by you. doing the programs you've done. Mm. And uh, we originally met because I came in and shared my personal testimony and mm-hmm. yep. personal story. Yep. And then that was repeated on the radio several times, and and there were two women who, at the time, were at different times, one of them, she was feeling like she just wanted to throw in everything and throw in her faith, but she heard my voice on the radio just sharing my story, and she knew me, and she thought, oh, it's Shirley on the radio, mm. and so it encouraged her, and it put her back mm. on track, and and she was able to keep going. The other one was somebody who didn't know me at all. But she'd just come out of a relationship with another woman and Mm. she heard my story and heard that that was part of my background. Mm. And she didn't know what she was doing, but she knew that she really wanted to try and find her way back to her Christian faith. Mm. And so she heard the story on the radio as well and she thought, oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that anybody could make these kinds of choices and Mm. that God would actually help them and, Mm. and that life could be very different. And so she went and she found the book that I'd written on my testimony mm-hmm. and then made contact with me. And so we've had a really nice friendship ever since and she's her whole life has changed and mm. because of what she decided to do. And in fact now she's a married woman with two young children and and in a ministry with her husband. And so did, did she is she the one that shared her testimony on Parliament Steps? She is the one that shared her testimony on mm. the steps of Parliament not so long ago when we were trying to find a way to keep help going for people mm. like her. And that in part was by hearing you share your story. Yeah, that was the beginning. In the conversation for her. we had. That was the beginning yeah. for her, hearing mm. it on the radio. Mm. So you know, things go out into the airwaves. We don't even mm. know what's happening with them sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But people get hope. And that's mm. why in some ways I'm quite pleased to share this story about mm. coming to the end of my life because it's a legacy. Mm. And uh, I'm hoping my life and my books are a legacy mm. too. But uh, we come to the end of our lives and we need to share that all the way through, you follow Christ and you know that he's a rock. Mm. But when you get to this stage in your life where you are actually facing meeting your maker and that it's not going to be in too distant a future, you know you're standing on that rock. Mm. You sense his peace. Now, it doesn't mean to say you're inhuman. You go through times where, as Pete has said, we've spent sometimes weekends just weeping, knowing mm. we're going to be losing each other mm. for a time. Yeah. 
but the rest of the time, you sense God, you see the little things that he does. I mean, we decided one of our goals this year was to get to Queenstown because we had our honeymoon in Queenstown. Mm-hmm. And we'd wanted to go back and celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary in Queenstown. Mm. Um, of course, some of our dear friends found out, so we had nine people come with us and um, join us huh. while we were there, which wow. was kind of fun. But um, um, just thinking about this idea of the goal of going to Queenstown, you see God in that. Because two days before we went, there was a massive storm and, and some people were worried that the whole of Queenstown had been wiped out. In mm. actual fact, there wasn't anywhere near it, but it was a dreadful storm. Mm. And then we had perfect weather the whole oh. time we were there. And then a big storm as we flew out came in. And so it was kind of bookended, storms mm. from one side to the huh. other, but perfect weather, even in Milford Sound, which is only about 10% of the year. Mm. So you see God in these things. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. some people would say, oh, how can you say that's God? It's just luck. But mm. then so is my AML. It's just bad mm. luck. Mm. But yeah. I see God in the good things because mm. it's clearer to me that he's with you when you see these little things along the way. Now, you mentioned AML which is the rare type of cancer Yeah, that that's you have. the acute myeloid leukemia. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's helped you is that you're in a online chat group with people all over the world who have that rare yeah. form of cancer? That's right, yes. Well, I mean, of course, you find yourself looking up forums, especially on Facebook mm. and other people who experience the same things as yourself. And so I'm on a couple of forums. One mm. of them has a lot of people from around the world. And I have noticed there are a lot of Christians on there, mm. so, and they pray for each other, and mm. that's nice too. So mm. it's a bit encouraging, but you can share your experiences, and it is sad because some of them do pass mm. on as you're going along in the months. Mm. Yeah. But so far, I'm living the miracle, that's what mm. I say, because mm. I believe I still have at least some months left, mm. and I'm hoping maybe a year or two, so... Mm. We don't know. Mm. We don't know. God's one who knows the day that we go. But when we do, we face him. Mm. And so I want to be able to go in and know the joy of the Lord forevermore. Mm. And I don't want to go in with regret. So mm. if I have to forgive people, I must do that. And uh, I need to be able to prepare myself for that day. But I thank him that it's only by his grace that I will get in there because I would never get in there on my own perfection. Mm. I'd fail every day if it mm. had to be perfection. So mm. only Jesus can open that door and be the gate. He's the only way that we can really get to be with him and to be with God forever. Mm-hmm. In fact, I put in the book that sometimes it surprises me that people who don't want to know God all their lives or maybe spurn him or ignore him somehow seem to think that God's going to welcome them into his home. And yet, you know, I think you wonder why that they would think that every single person goes to heaven. And uh, I don't see that that's really going to be the case, but we only get in when we understand and receive his grace and know that Jesus is enough and that we surrender to him. And so, you know, I want to make sure that that I continue in that because that's the truth and that's the rock that I stand on. Mm-hmm. And somebody you talked to at your hospital told you that the people who have faith seem to do well. Yeah, of course, I'm always kind of enjoying having conversations with people if I can. And there was one young nurse, and she was actually a lapsed Catholic. Mm. 
But she said to me, you know, she said, it's interesting. I've noticed that people who have faith like you do, do better with this kind of cancer or do better with cancers. Mm. I thought, well, that's rather interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And I think perhaps it's because you lean back into God and mm. and maybe you're not stressing as much. I don't know, but it's well, also it, the hand of God that does it. Yeah. Well, I mean, hope yeah. changes everything. Yeah, Knowing I think that it, I think it can the end be. isn't the end. I've been on some of the forums that they have sometimes for the Leukemia Foundation, and some of them are just people sharing, mm-hmm. talking, and working out how they get through things. Mm-hmm. And I, I was a little shocked and stunned to begin with it, how upset and how terrified some people were. And I thought, you know, as a Christian believer, I don't have that terror. Mm-hmm. Why would I have that terror? I'm going to somewhere better. I mean, mm-hmm. the greatest travel experience that I can <laughs> ever have will be to go to heaven. I try and imagine it, but I mean, God says it's even more than you could possibly imagine, and I'm sure it would be. Mm-hmm. I know it will be. That was part two of Eric Scadabo's chat with Shirley and Peter Baskett, who are sharing their story with us and some of Shirley's reflections on what is a good death. Shirley was diagnosed with leukaemia in October of 2021 and was inspired to write a book called Living on the Edge of Eternity. That's available online. One of the things that comes through clearly in Shirley's reflections is that the rock she stands on as she faces eternity is her faith in Jesus and knowing that she'll be with him for all eternity. Well, how about you? Do you know where you'll spend eternity? Why not put your faith in Jesus today and have the same assurance as Shirley? If you'd like to talk and pray with someone about salvation through faith in Jesus, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. We would absolutely love to share about faith in Jesus and pray with you at 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for part two of our conversation with Shirley and Peter Baskett. We invite you to join us again next time for part three as we go back in time and find out the unique circumstances in which Peter and Shirley's relationship began. That's all coming up next time. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. You know, I had to love Shirley as Christ loved the church and then I had to lay down my life for her. And I kind of did that in a sense that he called me to be number two in terms of ministry. And so it was never about me, it was about what he'd called her to do. And so I spent a lot of my life pushing her forward and being supportive. Peter and Shirley Baskett join us once again to share how their unique relationship began and more about how their lives drastically changed after Shirley was diagnosed with leukaemia in October of 2021. That's more of Peter and Shirley Baskett's story next time. The Story. story. Just another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.